0: We will read Psalm 131 first, followed by the New Testament reading of Philippians four ten through 19. So let's consider, consider now together the inerrant and infallible word of God. Psalm 131, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great. And too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. And now Philippians chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 10 through 19. Philippians four ten. From Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Praise well, you have your Bibles open, Philippians, so turn back to chapter 1. And I want to read verses 12 through 18 where we will focus our attention. But these passages that have just been read will help us during the sermon. Verse 12, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known, "...throughout the whole praetorian guard, and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak or to preach the word of God without fear. Some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but also from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel." the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. Now, you know, um, there's something that I think all of us love to do and let me let me preface this some of the stuff in this sermon y'all really need i really need <laughs> uh this is a little we need to hear something that's in this sermon there's something in this sermon every one of us needs this probably needs to be preached for about 10 weeks but you're going to get one hopefully compact dose of it so let me start over we all are interested in our friends. If a friend goes on a vacation, we want to know where they're going or when they get back, we want to know how it went. We want to know, did you get a souvenir? Used to be like, you know, souvenir hunter. (laughs) Please give me $5 to get another souvenir, dad. Please, please, please. Uh, We want to know what happened on the vacation. If somebody goes hunting, did you see a deer? Did you shoot a deer? Did you pull the trigger? Did you get some ducks? If a friend goes shopping, we want to know where they go. We want to know how it went we want to know the places the coffee they drank did you get I mean I just found out that you could get a med medicine ball at Starbucks I just told Steve that you can get a medicine ball at Starbucks if you don't feel good did you know that what did you do when you went shopping how much money did you spend if you're a close friend and so here's the apostle Paul and he's going to tell these friends of his in Philippi what's going on in his life they want to know they found out, you see, that their guy, Epaphroditus, they found out he was sick. They found out that he had almost died, and they want to know about him too. And so he's going to fill them in. He's going to tell them and fulfill and meet this curiosity they have about their apostle that they love so much. Now, he's already greeted them, he's already uh, given them praise, given praise to God in prayer for them. Remember, we've opened up the door of his prayer closet, we looked at him praising God. And he's praised God for how God is at work in them, and how they remember Him. And then he's also petitioned the Lord for them, for their growth and love, and for their complete uh, Christian character. And so this this time now he's going to continue. He's going to share with them his circumstances. And so today I want to look at two points. The apostle's imprisonment. His imprisonment and how his imprisonment has been for the advancement or the progress of the gospel. Notice there in verse 12. This is the apostle's imprisonment. He says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. What are his circumstances? (laughs) He's in a chain. Or I should say he's really in chains. He's chained to two Men, two Roman guards, one on one side, one on the other. He is imprisoned. Well, what has happened to him? Well, in a word, what has happened to him for the greater progress of the gospel is this. I just hate to say it. Suffering. Suffering. That's the greater advancement of the gospel has come through his suffering, now, not long after he left the city of Philippi, you remember he was preaching there and he was uh, beaten severely. He was in a prison when he preached to that Philippian jailer. Not long after he leaves Philippi in Acts chapter 21, he is on his way to Jerusalem. and He's told, he's warned by a prophet, don't go there. If you go there, bonds of affliction await you. But he goes there anyway. He's going to go there. And he does everything he can not to be, uh, you know, not to offend the Jews while he's there but they accuse him of something he didn't do they accuse him of bringing a Gentile into the temple precincts and so they accuse him of something we were talking about this with men the other day accuse him of doing something he didn't do and so almost by a mob action they kill almost killed him but the Romans the Roman authorities come they stop them they take him to a prison they 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 tie him up to flog him and he says you can't do this i'm a roman citizen he invokes his roman citizenship and they stop and so now he's in prison and he is going to be brought before the sanhedrin the sanhedrin comes just exactly the way jesus was treated righteousness is on his side justice is on his side they mock justice they strike him in the face the same way they struck jesus they won't give him a fair hearing and then his own nephew hears about a plot There's 40 zealots. They're going to, they've taken an oath that they will not eat until they put Paul to death. And so he tells his nephew to go tell the authorities. His nephew tells the authorities, and guess what happens? They whisk him away from Jerusalem to Caesarea. And how many guys do this? I think one of our men, maybe it was Dwight. Somebody was saying 270 guys protect Paul and get him from Jerusalem to Caesarea. Is that overkill or what? Is this guy going to be safe or what? Seventy cavalry and 200 spearmen take him from Jerusalem to Caesarea. And just by the way, you know, God had told him earlier that he would protect him as he goes to preach in all these different places. And so now he's in Caesarea, and he stands before Roman governors Felix Festus. He defends the gospel before the Jews who come from Jerusalem and misrepresent him, maliciously maligning him again. And then when he's in front of Festus, he appeals to Caesar. And so to Caesar he must go. And so now this makes sure two things happen. It makes sure that the Jews will not put him to death, and it makes sure that he will stand in front of the Caesar. And defend the gospel in front of Caesar. And so as he leaves, before he leaves, uh, the final governor there, Festus, wants to have something to write about him. So he has King Agrippa and Bernice come in to listen to him, to help him craft a letter and say, he doesn't really find anything that Paul's done. (laughs) Maybe he, he doesn't see that Paul's done anything worthy of death. And so he asks King Agrippa to craft the letter. But the Jews, his own countrymen, have opposed him, and he suffered at their hands. And he's also suffered on the sea. Remember, he's on a ship, and he's on his way to see the Caesar, to Nero. And he tells the soldiers and he tells the sailors that they will all be in a bad, bad storm, that the ship will be broken to pieces, but that they will survive and make it. And they do. They make it, every single one of them. All of them lived. And so he arrives in Rome in one piece there's no pomp there's no circumstance he's with other men they're all chained they're all on their way to a prison cell where they will be in a prison and they will be guarded by two Roman crack Roman soldiers uh, as they await the emperor's verdict you want to know what's going on in my life well let me tell you this these are my circumstances here's the next question this is what is happening to me. This is the apostle's attitude. What was his attitude? Verse 13, he says, my imprisonment in the cause of Christ. And then verse 16, he says this, I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Let me translate it this way. I am put here. Why? I'm what? I'm put where? I'm put, I'm put here for the cause of of the gospel. So, day after day the apostle is chained to two guards. He never snot he never sobs. He never gives the details of the imprisonment. He never mentions the inconvenience. He never talks about the two men one on one side, one on the other side. He never talks about the fact that everywhere he goes in that cell, he's lugging around chains. He never talks about those guys looking at him, four eyes looking at him all the time. It it seems to me that what he's done is he studied what's going on. These men have been put there for him. Listen to that. He These these guards have been put there for him. Who put them there? The emperor put them there. These are the green berets of, of the day. These are the seal team six of the day. These are the best soldiers in the world of the day. And they've been put there by the emperor... To do a duty, you go and you ask these men, you go ask SEAL Team 6, would you like to sit in a prison cell chained to a guy who's done nothing wrong? And they will probably say, we would rather be at the gun range. We would rather be out playing with our swords. We would rather be out working on how to be better in battle. We would rather not be hooked up to this guy who's really just a really probably kind of nice guy would rather be doing something else. But why are they there? Why Why are they there? They're submitting to their emperor. They've been put there by Nero, their emperor, and they will please their emperor even if it means sitting there in chains to this man. And so the apostle Paul turns it around and he says, You have been placed here by your emperor who's on the earth. I've been placed here by Jesus Christ who's the one who sits in the heavens at the right hand of God. My emperor is Jesus Christ. You have been sent here to guard me. I have been sent here to protect you from hell. I've been sent here to teach you the gospel. I've been put here for Jesus Christ so that at the end of the day, you will see that I'm here to protect you from a a judgment to come, a, a place called hell, and you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm here to teach you about him, even as you're here to guard me. It's a great thought. I'm here. I'm put here, appointed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm on duty for Him. I'm on duty. I'm here for you guards. What happened to you, Paul? In light of all the suffering, he sees these chains and he says, I'm here for Christ. I'm going through every circumstance, every situation. I'm chained to each and every one of these guys. This guy's chained to eight different folks every day. Think about that. Every, if, every four to six hours. Let's just take six hours. Two every six hours. How many? That's, that's 24 hours. That means he's with eight different folks every single day. Now, he says in Philippians 1 29, it it's been granted to you not only to believe on Jesus Christ, but also to suffer. Now, we like that first part. All right? It's been granted to you. It's a gift to you to believe in Jesus Christ, but along with believing, there comes that what? That cross part, that suffering part. And there's all kinds of suffering that we go through. Some of us suffer and God uses this suffering to correct us when we go astray. And some suffering God uses to conform us to Jesus. And some suffering God uses to make us more compassionate to those around us. But here's the key thing. It's this inner attitude that says, I have been put here for Jesus Christ. That's the key attitude that we have to. Put into our own. Take into our own hearts and minds. I am been put here for Jesus Christ. Do I have that attitude? If I have that attitude, it means I move from me, myself, and I to Jesus Christ and His glory. If I have this attitude, it means that I don't say, look at my chains. It means I don't say, look at these smelly guards. It means I don't say, I hate my job. It means I don't say these sorts of things, and I realize I'm here, I'm in this place for Jesus Christ. You can ask Paul, wouldn't you prefer to be outside preaching in the open air? And he would say, absolutely. But that's not where my assignment has me now. My assignment has me in this place. I'm here for Jesus Christ. Whatever, Wherever God has placed you, you are not out of service. Have you ever thought about that? I'm out of service. Have you ever thought, I'm out of service? I'm 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 behind closed doors, nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything. Everything I'm doing doesn't really count. You're not out of service. I don't know what it is you're doing, but you're not out of service. God uses you where you are. I think sometimes about moms. Okay, we got a mom. My mom says, "I'm out of service. Look where I'm at, I'm behind closed doors." <laughs> Do you understand that most kids Most kids, when they get to be 18 years old, does that sound familiar? When they get to be 18 years old, they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what the church is about. They don't know what repentance and faith is. They don't know anything. Who's going to stop that? Mom, who's going to stop that, Daddy? It's going to have to start with you. It can't just be the preacher. Do you realize if you came to church every week, this is for free, but if you came to church every week, 52 weeks out of a year, and you came hour in the morning, hour in the evening, how many hours is that compared to how many hours moms and dads have with their kids? It's not very much. We had some Sunday school in there. We could. Have, it's still not very much. You are not out of service, mom. You are not out of service, daddy. Start the conversation. I said that to somebody this week. Oh, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Open up the book of Mark and start reading it. I told somebody this week, open up the book of Mark, start reading it, and talk to your kids about that guy that wears those weird clothes. That guy named John the Baptist, he ate that weird food. Honey, locusts, that's weird stuff. But I promise you, you know more than your son knows. You know more than your daughter knows. And you start that conversation. What do I do? Pray at the end. Pray the Lord's Prayer. And the next day start the conversation again by the next verse where you left off. You are in service. You can teach your children. You can teach them what the water in baptism means. You can tell them what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ whose blood can wash away their sins. You are the one who is in service. I remember when I was... Uh, 35 and I was studying every day you know I was studying every week probably 30 hours a week and I'd go do ministry the rest of the week I was preaching on Wednesday night preaching on Sunday night doing Sunday school on Sunday morning and all the stuff we were doing and I all of a sudden got ref- got the reformed bug and um, so I had this plan and I was going to go work this plan and my plan wasn't working working out the way I wanted it to The next thing I know, I'm working for DeCorn, Ethan Allen, doing furniture, working on furniture. And I'm selling uh, health uh, fitness stuff at uh, GNC, running a fitness store. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, surely you've lost your mind, God. Why in the world am I doing this? Why am I here? And I argued and I complained. And I walked around with my chains and I rattled them and it shook them up. And God taught me that I was on a different assignment for a while. You've been put there. You've been put here, put in the gym, put in that particular place. You've been put there for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you are in chains right now. maybe you're not happy about your job. maybe you're not happy about your marriage. Maybe you've suffered grief and loss, maybe you're de- dealing with pain of growing older. Are you stiff? Do you need Voltaren? You know? (laughs) Maybe you look at Facebook and you think to yourself, man, my life is just not as good as that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to listen to me. Hurting is real. I'm not going to discount it at all, but I'm going to tell you the only way through it is this attitude that says, I've been put here. I've been appointed for this time, for this moment. I'm... In this circumstance for Jesus Christ, this person right here doesn't need to be changed. She doesn't need to be changed. They don't need to be changed. I need to change my attitude. I need to say I've been put here. For this time, for this place, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. These chains and you and I, we're going to cry out, God, do you really care about me? I don't think you care about me. And he's going to say, you know what, I do. He says, I do. He says, I do. For I am confident, verse 6, of this very thing, that God, who began a good work in you, He will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm certain that God's not going to be deterred by you running around and looking at their wrist and hurting when there's those chains and making those chafing and all the other. His will's going to work, be worked out in your life, even when you scream and cry out. He knows what He's doing with this pressure and suffering. He's not going to be deterred. Well, here's the next question. How do I come by this inner attitude? <laughs> here's the attitude. I've been put in this particular place for Christ. I'm this age, right now, for Christ. I'm in this particular building right now for how am I going to get that? Well, a lot of people, don't we just think that people who do who, who just seem to have it all together, don't we just think that they ate a pill? Silver bullet? Poof. I got it. We just look at him. He's got it all together. No effort. no, it's not hard on him. It's not the case. Mr. Larson read in Philippians 4.11, he says, For I have learned, I think your translation said secret. I have learned this secret, to secret of being content in all my circumstances. The apostle didn't give up self-pity all at once. Does that help you? <laughs> he didn't give up self-pity all at once. We think so. Oh yeah, he just, it, you know, poof. He's no no more. He never ever, Rattled those chains and screamed. Oh, but he did. He didn't give it up all at once. He didn't go listen to Tony Robbins. Remember, you look at Tony Robbins, pretty hair, big old dude, pretty jacket, nice teeth, really speaks well. Right? I can see. He speaks really well. You don't get it from a conference. You don't get it from listening to the Bible while you brush your teeth in the morning and shave. You get it by learning. You get it through learning it. You and I were gonna have to have to learn this. He's got these soldiers beside him, and he learns to say, I'm here for them, just like the emperors put them here for me. I'm put here. You and I we need to say, grab our cells around the neck and say, I'm put here for my wife. I'm put here for my husband. I'm put here for my kids. I'm put here to be a human resources person. I'm put here for my job. I'm put here for these people. How are we going to do it? How are we going to live and follow Christ and speak the words for Jesus wherever we're at? Well, it's going to be a process. In Psalm 131, apost—I mean, David says this. He said, I have stilled and quietened my soul like a weaned child, on his mother's bosom. Now you know we all love to see that, don't we? You ever seen a child on his mother's bosom, all quiet? That is the end of a process. The process is weaning. That happened on here. The end of the process is the child is weaned, the child is quiet, the child is calm, the child's not pulling, the child's not crying. But the process is anything but quiet. Y'all with me? When the process is taking place. So mama knows and daddy knows that liquid can't be the only thing a child has or the child won't mature. So they stop just liquid only and they add solids. And so what do we add? We add smashed up peas and smashed up carrots and smashed up bananas and all this stuff. We start using doing these different things, the solids and the liquids, and the child begins to go crazy. Likes what he always gets. Likes the the, uh, liquid all the time. But mama knows and daddy knows that they have to do both for the child to grow up. Now, this child doesn't get this cognitively, but we know that the child begins to realize that all her needs or all his needs are going to be met, and there that child is, quiet and content. And this is the way it is with us. Do you writhe? Do you writhe when you suffer? Do you get loud sometimes? Do you scream? I'm lugging around these chains and I don't like it. I have a friend and I've told my wife about this friend. She had cancer. Doctor went in and removed the cancer. Total success. But while this doctor was in surgery she decided to do a few extra things thinking that this would be the best. And when it was over This gal, she hurts. She hurts. She has edema. She struggles with wearing these heavy-duty hoses. She cries out. She cries out, I want my body back. I'm angry at the doctor. I'm angry at you, God. And then you know what she does? (laughs) She goes and worships. She goes and worships God in the morning and she worships God in the evening and she goes to Wednesday night prayer time and she goes to the Bible studies. And then sometimes she writhes and she cries out and she tells God she hurts. And then she says, I'm in the right place. And then she says, I'm in the right, I'm at the right age. And then she says, I'm in the right job. Then she says, I know I need this message right now. This is how it is, isn't it? This is real stuff. We hurt. No moment someone has said, "Will ever this moment will never again be in this life, this moment that you have right now, it will never be again. Therefore, let something for Jesus be, be done in, in that moment. Do not let this suffering pass you by without honoring Jesus Christ. And yes, here we are, we're crying out, and then we come and we worship. The apostle tells the Philippians, this is what he knows. This is what's happened to me. I'm in a chain, but I'm in a chain, and this is my attitude. I've been put here, and the gospel is going forward. Well, let's look at that for a second. The apostle's imprisonment and the advancement of the gospel. The word there in verse 12, it says, it, he uses the word for the greater progress. That means to advance, and those, that word there means it's, a, it's about a bunch of pioneers who go cutting a path for an army to go through an area more quickly than they would if that group of guys wasn't out there doing the pioneering and, and doing the cutting. And the apostle knows when, use, when he uses this, this word progress, he knows that all those Philipp, uh, Philipp, Philippian, Philippian Roman retirees from Rome, from the military would know that word. And when they would hear it connected to the gospel and how the gospel's going forward even into the very heart of Rome, it would thrill these new believers in Jesus Christ. And so the gospel's going forward and it, has, it goes forward inside and it goes forward outside. Let me show you what I mean. Inside. The gospel advances inside the prison. Look at verse 13. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ had become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. This is in the prison. The Praetorian Guard. The whole Praetorian Guard. You know how many of them there were? Now history tells us, all, the, all my commentaries tell me there were about 9,000 of these men. 9,000 Green Berets. 9,000 Navy, navies. These were the best of the best. And these guys, they had, they were respected. They got double pay. They had good pensions, and they had special duties. And one of those duties was to guard these fellows who were waiting to, to stand before the Caesar. And here's the Apostle Paul connected to them. Now, we don't think that probably he got connected to every all 9,000, but he surely would have been connected to a lot of them. I want you to imagine with me, what it would be like to be connected, chained to Paul. He's not miserable. He's not grumpy. He's not complaining. And if he does complain, he he repents of it, right? (laughs) He's he's there with these fellows. He's telling you that as you're there with him that uh, he hasn't killed anybody. (laughs) He's there for Christ. He tells you that he knows you're there for him and he tells you that he... Knows he's there for you. He talks to you about faith in Christ. He talks to you about righteousness and self-control and judgment. He writes all his letters and you have to listen, watch him write. He talks to all his friends and you have to listen to him talk to all those people who come to minister to him. You hear everything. You see everything. You read everything. And the gospel begins to penetrate into Caesar's own praetorian guards. Calvin uses the word famous when it comes to the word well-known. Famous among these crack soldiers. Famous among these men. And then he makes another statement. It's also the gospel advances inside the palace, not just with these praetorian guards, but inside the palace. Look at verse 13. It has become well-known or famous throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. Who's everyone else? This is the palace uh, staff. This is all the people who are dealing underneath Nero's nose, if you will, doing all that business that takes place in the palace. He comes, they they all find out, I'm not here for a violent crime, but I'm here for Christ. And a little later, if you go read chapter 4, verse 22, he says, greetings comes to you from Caesar's household as well. So we've got praetorian guards being infected with the gospel. We've got palace staff being infected with the gospel. And we've got people in Nero's own household greeting the people in Philippi. What is going on here? You see one man suffering, one man in chains. And all of a sudden the gospel advances and penetrates into these folks' hearts on the inside and then outside. The gospel advances outside the prison. Look at verse 14. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So here's all these folks in Rome, and they are real close to to Nero, And Nero's crazy against Christians. And Nero is, uh, you know, you don't want to say anything outside the prison because if you say something outside the prison, you'll be taken notice of and maybe you'll be arrested. And so everybody's really quiet. And all these men outside the prison who have no chains on, they're really reticent about preaching the gospel. But they find out that Paul's in in the prison. They find out he's got chains on. They find out that the Praetorian Guard is is being infected with the gospel. They find out that the palace staff, they find out that the home of Nero himself is greeting them, the Philippians. And they are given courage to preach the gospel outside. They're going to do what Paul can't do on the inside. They have no chains on. They can go out with more courage and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My chains have prodded others to pick up the slack and to preach to these people where I simply cannot. And he rejoices. Calvin writes, We are taught that the troubles of, of the saints suffered for the gospel are the ground of confidence to us. The apostle suffers. Apostle's carrying his cross. The apostle is hurting. And if this is all we ever heard, we would be discouraged, but that's not all we hear. Because what we do hear also is that Jesus is triumphing. We do hear that the gospel's going forward into all the inner parts of the kingdom as well as outside in Rome itself. Try to eradicate Christianity, and it cannot be done. It will grow, it will grow as it's persecuted. But where is the launch pad for this advancement? Chains, suffering, being where I'm at, maybe not liking where I'm at. Do you see the kingdom of God advancing? Do you see the kingdom of God advancing as one man? One man is in a prison cell. And look what's happening. 9,000 guys, maybe not all. Okay, okay, commentators tell me not, not maybe all, but a lot. Eight new guys every day. He's been in the prison for four years when he writes this. You go figure out how many folks have been through this guy. Look at what's going on in the staff. Look at what's going on in the home. Look at all these guys preaching the gospel. Do you see the kingdom of God where you are? Let me tell you a story, and I'm going to bring this back up because I know all of us know it. We just read it a few weeks ago. I think, uh, I think Mr. Moore read this about Naaman, 2 Kings chapter 5. You remember Naaman? There's Naaman. He's out there. He's Mr. General of the Arameans and Naaman goes, and he has a victory over Israel, and he brings back a little girl. A little girl comes back out of Israel into his house, and she's given to his wife, Mrs. Naaman. Let's call her Mrs. Naaman. And uh, that's her little servant now. So, well, this little girl's taken out of her town. This girl, little girl's taken from her family. This little girl is in this foreign place, but evidently she's a tender person. She has every reason to growl, She has every reason to be mad. She has every reason to think, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I don't want to serve these people. But when she finds out that her master has leprosy, she goes and says, if my master would just go over to see the man of God, he could be healed. Do you see the kingdom of God there? She was put there. She's not mad. I'm sure she might have gotten her prayer closet and said, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. We all say stuff like that, don't we? Do you see the kingdom of God in Naaman's house? Do you see the kingdom of God in prison? Do you see the kingdom of God in your workplace? You're there. The movies won't talk about the kingdom of God. The news won't talk about the kingdom of God. Have you ever heard it on any of these newscasts? It's not on Fox. Right? It's not even on Fox. But the kingdom of God is working. The kingdom of God is at work. It's at work in Naaman's house. It's at work in prisons. It's at work in offices. It's at work in homes. And Jesus Christ, is. this gospel is going forward. Tell your friends, don't be afraid. Ultimately, this all starts with Jesus suffering on the cross, doesn't it? And Jesus goes to the cross and now he's crowned. And there's this glory and honor that he has. And you and I can serve him. And you and I are to say, I am in this chain for Christ. I've been placed right here where I am. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. For me to live for Christ at 21514 Barrett Knowles Drive. That for me to live is to live for Christ there and to die is gain. You need to say the same thing. To have Christ is to live and to die is gain. But not to have Christ is not to live. Are you living? Live this morning. Come to Christ and live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship. We thank you for the opportunity to see What happened in the Apostle Paul, even as he's in prison, Lord, you taught him to understand in his heart. Sure, sure, he complained. We know he was human, and we know he had to learn to say this. But wow, he sure learned how to live for you. Lord, help us learn to live for you. Help us come and live in Jesus Christ. Help us die to our sins. Help us to put on new life. Help us to go and look at ourselves in Naaman's house as the kingdom of God inside that home. Help us to live in our prison or wherever we might find ourselves in our circumstances. Help us live for you there. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory.
0: We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.